Welcome to the Rio Europe podcast, your weekly roundup of the most interesting trends and developments in performing credit, stressed and distressed, restructuring and post reorg in the European and CMEA markets. It's Tuesday, June the 20th. I'm Richard Woolley. And I'm Phoebe Pinting. Coming up this week, primary reporter Beatrice Marvolian gives us an update on the busy primary market. And financial analyst Manuel Coelho talks to us about Reorg's new waterfall analysis of UK petrol station and convenience retail company EG Group. But first, we're going to hear from EMEA Covenant senior paralegal Aaron Spence, who has been researching portability trends in European high yield bonds in 2023. Hi Aaron, thanks for joining us. Can you start off by explaining what is ratio-based portability and why is it so important? Hello Phoebe, thanks for having me. When a company is acquired by a third party, high-yield bondholders can sell their notes back to the company at par plus a 1% premium. This is called a change of control put option. This is because when the bonds were issued, the money was lent to the company based on the majority shareholder and management's track record or strategy. Therefore, it is only fair that noteholders get to reevaluate their position in the bonds if the ownership changes. However, about a decade ago, companies started adding exceptions into their bond documentations to the put option that bondholders would get if there was a change in control of the company. Now, this exception is typically available based on a net leverage ratio test. Now, this means at the time the company is sold, if a certain pre-agreed leverage ratio is met on a pro-forma basis, the bondholders would not get the option to put their bond. Now, to summarise, ratio-based portability is an exception to the typical requirement that the company must offer to buy back the bonds from investors if a change of control is triggered, provided that a specified leverage test is met. It is important for bondholders to analyse whether the bond has a portability carve-out to the change of control put option to ensure they are protected from the economic implications of a change of control. Now, for example, if the bond was trading in the 80s at the time of the change of control, the bondholders would have wanted their 101 put option. Whether ratio-based portability is present in the terms of the bonds, and if so, where the ratio test is set, remains a topical subject that investors pay great attention to, due to the economic implications it can bring. So, Aaron, how frequently is ratio-based portability seen in European high-yield bonds? So far in 2023, just over 50% of European high-yield bonds contain ratio-based portability. Now, this has increased from 2022, when only 40% of high-yield bonds had ratio-based portability. Now, it's no surprise that ratio-based portability continues to be a feature of sponsor-backed companies. All of the 2023 European high-yield bonds so far with ratio-based portability were sponsor-backed except for one. So, typically, what leverage level is portability available at? Historically, portability would be available to a company at a level below the opening leverage. So a company would need to deleverage from the level at issuance in order to access portability. Now, over time, the portability test has increased vis-a-vis with the opening leverage of an issuer. And in 2023, just over 40% of European high-yield bonds set the ratio test for exercising portability above opening leverage meaning that no deleveraging is required at all for nearly half the bonds. Although this significant minority is concerning for investors, it is consistent with the findings from 2022. About half the bonds in 2023 have required the issuers to achieve some degree of deleveraging from the opening leverage to access portability. 
However, so far in 2023, no bond has required a deleveraging of greater than one turn of leverage at issue dates, while a small number of bonds set the ratio test at opening leverage. If investors are unhappy or concerned about where the ratio test is set in comparison to opening leverage, can they do anything about it? Yes, as recently as Friday last week, Swedish industrial installations company Assemblin saw its ratio level for exercising portability tightened by half a turn of leverage, having previously set it at opening leverage, following successful pushback from investors. In fact, the bond that required the greatest amount of deleveraging in 2023 at issue to access ratio-based portability was achieved through pushback from investors. This was in the bond offering from Italian medical equipment company Lima Corporates. Investors were also able to achieve other significant pushback in Assemblin's new bond offering last week. To see what pushback was achieved in Assemblin and other bonds where pushback was achieved in relation to portability, please reach out to questions at reorg.com for a copy of our Covenants pushback tracker. UK petrol station and convenience retailer EG Group has officially launched its plan to tackle its highly levered capital structure which has confirmed what people in the market have been speculating about for a while. EG Group is going to sell the majority of its UK and Ireland fuel, food service, grocery and merchandise operations to Asda and carry out some sale and leasebacks. All in all, EG Group has $9 billion of debt maturing in 2024 and 2025. So, Manuel, can you please summarise some of the other measures that the company is taking to deal with that? Yes, EG Group has launched um, the Extend transaction to push out the maturities on about $6 billion of its extending term loan Bs to 2028. And the commitments are due tomorrow. Also, EG has announced that it intends to repay its 300 million senior secured notes due 2024 with proceeds from the US sale and leaseback that took place on March 6 and use the proceeds from the sale of the UK and Ireland division to ASDA to repay part of its term loans and the other senior secured notes due 2025. In total, EG will reduce its debt pile by 4.2 billion. After the transaction, EG will still have 1.6 billion in outstanding senior secure notes due in 2025, which it expects to refinance no later than 12 to 15 months ahead of their maturities. And the group said it will also address the maturity of its second lien in the next year following the amend the next 10 deal. Okay, so what's the impact on net leverage of all these transactions? And will this bring EG back to uh, cash generation, do you think? Yeah, so pro forma for these transactions, the group pre-FRS 6 in net leverage is expected to fall to 4.9 times from the reported 6.3 as of March. However, on a post-CIFRS basis, excluding adjustments for expected synergies and other adjustments, we estimate that net leverage will remain high at about 7.5 compared with 7.7 times. Uh, We also ran a waterfall model analysis on a pro forma capital structure and loan to value ratios would end in an area of 80%. Uh, This means that these transactions ease the concerns over near term maturities, but the group remains highly levered. At the same time, cash generation does not materially improve. Indeed, we project lower fuel prices and fuel margins that are likely to trend to downwards 
towards historical average below 2022 peaks. In the upcoming years, we expect the group to benefit from lower interest payments due to all the debt that will be repaid and lower planned growth capex. However, this, is, this will be partially offset by potential interest rates increases with the refinancings, higher lease costs due to the US sale is back, and also due to the repayments of planned tax referrals. To conclude, there is more to be done to address the, its operating performance. But at least now the group has some time to recover before having to refinance. Considering that the notes due 2025 are quoted in the high 90s, the market does not seem concerned with the refinancing. Join Reorg and Cleary Gottlieb, Steen and Hamilton next week for a webinar on the most relevant sanctions impacted international creditors in Russia and abroad, including bond infrastructure issues, licenses and Russian countermeasures. That's navigating the regulatory crossfire, how sanctions impact debt restructions on Wednesday, June 28th at 2pm BSD. On July 5th, Reorg will be speaking to Cobra and Kim for a webinar on Azure Power, we aim to discuss the potential event of default triggers, the delisting process and associated risks for bondholders and possible recovery scenarios and outcomes. Register now for the webinars at reorg.com or email marketing at reorg.com for further information. Hi Beatrice, can you tell me what's going on in the primary market? So the primary market has really come back to life this week following a quiet week um, last week when issuers largely held back from raising new debt, mainly because many investors were at the ABS conference in Barcelona. This week, two new bonds were brought to the market for gaming technology company Playtech and discount retailer Pepco. Um, petrol station forecourt operator and food-to-go retailer EG Group is marketing an amendment and extension of its term loans amid other transactions, including the sale of the majority of its UK and Ireland business to Asda. There are also um, loan add-ons being marketed by French IT Group Initum and gaming company, company Entain, and technology company Idemia is marketing a loan A&E. Investors considering Pepco's new notes said that although some investors may be inclined to decline the deal on the basis of disliking the retail sector, as a discounter, Pepco is positioned in the most defensive part of the sector. As a result, the company attracts consumers during economic downturns. Um, leverage is very low at about uh, 0.8 times. Um, the business is funda fundamentally does generate cash, although there'll be no free cash flow because of the group's very ambitious uh, store rollout plans. Um, liquidity is strong, management is very experienced, and, and some growth is expected. However, some investors were, were concerned about the partial indirect ownership of the company by restructured South African retailer Steinhoff. However, the company was very clear that Steinhoff has no rec recourse to Pepco's assets and no control over Pepco. Investors that considered EG Group's term loan B maturity extension were generally pos positive about the company's recent tra transactions, arguing that they represent an important step in the process of deleveraging for an issuer that has arguably overstretched itself via numerous debt-funded debt acquisitions over recent years. The sale of the majority of the company's UK and Ireland business to Asda was agreed at a favourable price representing about 11.5 times EBITDA. Um, the sale and leaseback of U.S. assets will provide cash and further sales may come. 
Fortunately, considering EG Group's track record of successive, successive acquisitions in far-flung location, locations, the group is unlikely to p- pursue further acquisitions in the short term, focusing instead on, on organic growth, investors think. The company is also expected to focus more on food retail, which is more accretive to EBITDA. In terms of demand for new primary, although CLO printing continues to be limited, some CLOs are ramping up. High-yield funds recorded an outflow this week, uh, more than reversing last week's marginal inflow, according to the research from Bank of America. More information on all the situations and events discussed in this podcast is available on our website, reorg.com. We hope you can join us next week for another Reorg Europe podcast. Until then, have a great week and thank you very much for listening.